I agree with most of the things you said about the Islanders, but to me that makes this trade a lose-lose and not, I mean, nothing but that. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 157 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody, Abrams, and Melbourne with you for this one. Guys, how we doing? Doing great. Super excited for this weekend. The boys are coming up to go for a little skiing rip in Collingwood here and what other other shenanigans we can get going on. Plus, the All-Star game is on this weekend, so kind of perfect timing. Are you excited for the All-Star game? Because that, that's new, no, if that's really, the case. But like, it's good background <laughs> fodder for when we're not doing something. Yeah, I think last year that's we true. spent like two hours in a row just on Money Puck cruising around looking at stats so i mean at least if there's a game of some sort on that'll be fine too um oh the all-star game guys what a shit show i did an episode last year talking about how the how the all-star game sucks maybe i should do one quick later this week because i want to air my frustrations on it again because i think this year might be even worse than last year but with all that being said it will still be on in the background and that's fine i'm just not overly excited to watch it but i am excited to come up to collingwood this weekend go to the blue mountains get some skiing in and uh you know some some other shenanigans as well i'm gonna bring maybe a couple extra air tags to just stick to harper so we don't lose them <laughs> this year <laughs> like just to to make sure we always uh are accounting for where he is at all times because as we know he gets away from us but yeah boys i'm i'm super excited for that and that's why this week has been pretty busy so far because i'm trying to make sure i get all my work done before the weekend so i don't have to worry about it harper how are you man i'm uh, i'm good man i'm excited for this weekend too i think the timing is perfect and uh yeah the uh the the timing is also perfect to uh give our grades mid-season or i guess we can rephrase it a little bit give our grades for the teams in the metro division heading into the all-star break and the reason why it's perfect timing of course is because of the big trade that went down last night which we will get to a little later on when we get get to that team that was involved in that deal uh, from the Metro division. Well, so let's 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 get into the trade now. I, I kind of wanted to okay. do the same. I, I've, I've got quite a, I've same. got quite a bit to talk about on this trade and okay. I'd rather just get it out of the way because honestly I'm gonna breeze by the New York Islanders in this grading. Yeah. Oh that's okay. who we're talking about? I had no idea, Harp. You're so sly about it. Uh, also case so, before before you jump yeah. in, I wanted to say uh, to Harp, if we're rephrasing it because it's past the midway point of the season, I think I'm gonna title these last two in season grades rather than mid season grades. That makes sense, right? You you can get behind yeah. that? Okay, yeah. perfect. Sounds good. So, again, before we get into the trade, uh, just to, to recap it, Bo Horvat from the Vancouver Canucks to the New York Islanders, 25% of his $5.5 million cap hit uh, retained by Vancouver. Uh, in exchange for Anthony Beauvillier, 25-year-old forward. Uh, Atu Ratu, not Ratty, Ratu is the correct pronunciation there. And uh, a conditional 2023 first-round draft pick. That's the trade. And uh, let's get into that to start. Case? Okay, so I kind of want to just get a quick gauge of what you guys think about this trade. Like, 
Are you, do you think they got enough? Yeah, I, I personally, I think they got more than enough than like so, I was expecting them to get is Harvard, what I'm comparing what it to. I don't mind the return if there was, say, another pick in there, like a second or a third. I'd be feeling much better about the return. Now, let me ask you this. Would you be okay with this return for Timo Meyer? No. Uh, I would also say no because he's an RFA, so you have control. Despite the high the QO, you, you still have control, control the player. Control is a bit of an illusion with Timo Meyer. I agree that they have control, so I factored that into when I was thinking about this trade. But control is an illusion when the qualifying offers $10 million. So but not if you sign it, him for an eight-year term at, like, $8 million instead of 10 Yeah, okay, but I'm also Timo Meyer, and I'm not signing for less than $9.5 million. My qualifying offers 10 you know? Anyways, let's get away from the, the control part yeah, because yeah. there's other stuff I want to bring up when you talk about is this enough for Timo Meyer? Because I went back and I looked at Bo Horvat's last six seasons and Timo Meyer's last six seasons. So Bo, Bo Horvat was 26th in the league for the, sorry, last five. No, sorry, six seasons. He was 26th in the league. He had 152 goals. That's a 33 goals um, season or pace per season average. I'm really butchering, butchering this already. Timo Meyer had 148 um so 29th in the league so he had less uh meyer had i think two more points in total than bo horvat when you looked at where vancouver landed in goal position in the standings they were 26 25th 10th 24th 18th terrible right san jose 13th third 28th 25th 30 18 kind of comparable later on there um when you look at percentage of team goals, Bo Horvat averaged 12.8%. Meyer averaged 10.79%. So Horvat gets the lean there. So Horvat, more goals, better goal pace, more of the team percentage share. And then I started kind of looking at them as both guys that I would think of as responsible players. They're both pretty good defensively and responsible with the puck. Timo Meyer definitely way more physical. That's way by a long more. shot. I think his hits are like 700 and something compared to Bo's 300 and something. Powerful but man, one. is Bo way more responsible with the puck. Um, that's like giveaways, D-zone giveaways, everything. Timo has um, like, I think double the giveaways in the last six seasons or something like that compared to Bo Horvat. Then the other thing I looked at was shooting percentage because i knew that that's usually where this conversation goes when you talk about two players on sh um, scoring on a similar pace timo has a lower shot percentage but it's because he takes astronomically more shots mm -hmm. so i started thinking about shots and giveaways and in my mind when you're missing the net or shooting into shin pads that's a giveaway even though it doesn't get written down as a giveaway so last year, Timo missed the net or had a shot blocked 247 times compared to Bo's 109. Bo is like far more responsible with the puck. 
He's just as good as in his own end off the puck as Timo Meyer, and scores more goals and had two less points. So Bo Horvat, as a center, one year older, uh, 58% on the faceoff, 55% in the last six seasons. Why does he not command as much as Timo Meyer other than control? couple things that I wanted to mention on that. Don't know if I'll exactly answer the question, but when comparing the two players, obviously you look at the position, and that's the one reason why I think Bo Horvat is more valuable to certain teams than a guy like Timo Meyer. But if we look at their next contracts, like what the, they're going to sign on their next deal, I think it'll be awfully comparable. And like I don't think one player is stand out better than the other because I think they bring different things to the table. Like you mentioned, Horvat is better at controlling the puck offensively and defensively. He doesn't give it up as much. He's more defensively responsible. Whatever. That, I think that's that's not crazy to say. I think that's pretty well known. But then when you bring out the numbers, it just makes it clearer. But then Timo Meyer brings that, um, that different element that Horvat doesn't have, which is the competitiveness on the puck which includes his physicality in terms of hitting like he is the prototype power forward now in the nhl and there aren't many of them left so that in and of itself is kind of a hot commodity around the league and when that type of player is available um i think there's going to be a higher bidding war than maybe there will be for a guy like Horvat. So I think they're very comparable. I think that for sure. that argument can be made, but the one sort of way I'd, I would argue against that is when you go to hitting percentage um, kind of hits for and hits taken in the league and you go percentage for, you're always going to see the worst teams in the league at the top. And that's because when you have the puck, you're not hitting. And that's mm-hmm. the thing I would say about Bo Horvat versus Meyer is you have the puck more when Bo Horvat's on the ice. Definitely. Um, something else I'll say too is that yes, Timo is a volume shooter, but I think some of the best goal scorers in the league are volume shooters because that's just how they operate. Another guy who is notorious for this and just doesn't go in as much as a guy like it does for Meyer is uh, Brady Kachuk. He's a notorious volume shooter. His expected goals are always through the roof, but his actual goals are always well below expected. So I would assume that it's a similar case with Timo Meyer, just to a lesser extent. Um, what I will the- say about the two players as well is that Timo, and, and this may be a reason why I think he, he may be a little more valuable than Horvat in terms of his offensive production right now, is that over the last couple seasons... Timo has kind of proved that he's that point-per-game player. Um, he's dynamic offensively, and it kind of doesn't really matter who he's playing with on on poor San Jose teams. Um, but then when you look at Horvat, this year has been see- has this year we've seen him explode offensively to a point where we haven't seen it before. So although the averages kind of equal out to be the same, this year has been... That's why I brought up the team goals and team percentages. Because Vancouver, 25th in the league for team goals in uh, 2018-2019. Bo Horvat, 12.33% of those goals. At that time, uh, Timo Meyer, for example, San Jose, third in the league. Percentage of goals, 1%. I get it. What I'm what I'm saying is, Bo Horvat has never really had any support, and he's had a 33 
goal pace his you know last six seasons definitely 52 this year is driving that up a bit but yeah. i think if you take the 52 out his pace is 29 goals in the the five season span so Borvat scores and doesn't have support and when i talk when you talk about timo meyer and shot volume i agree with you that the best goal scorers shoot the most mm-hmm. ovechkin key number one there yeah yeah but the thing about Timo Meyer is his percentage of shots that miss the net and hit shin pads because mm-hmm. that doesn't help at all. But if you look at, obviously Meyer has way more shots on goal than Bohovat, which does help. But man, he misses a lot. I'm, I'm not arguing because I think Timo Meyer is not a good player. I'm really hoping he gets traded to the Devils. I'm yeah, just saying I was going to say I thought you were. If in. you pooled, <laughs> if you pooled a hundred people. Like the majority of them would say that this is a good enough return for Bo Horvat, and I bet you the majority of them would disagree that it's a good enough return for Timo Meyer, and I don't think that's fair. I think they are very, very equal in value. That I think is a good point. I think they're very equal in value. I do agree with you on that point in terms of their production and sort of everything they bring to the table, everything in. But I still think, in a cap world certainty and control trumps all and having that player as an rfa is more important than perhaps letting the guy walk or you know it's more important to have control over the player than getting a guy like bo horvat who could walk in the offseason and to be honest most likely will because i think he'll get overpaid somewhere not in long island because who doesn't like to overpay stars i would say that there before the trade there's an 80 percent chance of bo horvat signing with whatever team he gets traded to and there's a 50 percent chance he re-signs with the islanders because lou lamorello is an absolute wild card which i just wanted to say it's funny that this trade was done by the gm who traded the pick that bo horvat was picked with yeah. So it's kind of oh, full, come full right. circle here. Lou Lamorella traded this pick, Bo Horvat's for pick, Schneider. for Corey Schneider. And now he's traded for Bo Horvat. So it's like, I guess he got his pick back. But I don't, And it's, Corey Schneider is also in the organization still. So it's yeah. kind of funny that he got both back. You know, Yeah, he's in Bridgeport. That's yeah. hilarious. I, I don't see Lou, though, signing Horvat long term because he's going to command, like, eight to ten million a year on an, on a seven-year deal right so but i i would say that he deserves when you look at timo meyer bo horvat they both deserve eight and a half to nine million dollars or more so oh i I, I agree but i'm saying lou lamorello doesn't exactly oh, yeah, have yeah, a yeah, history I'm agreeing with you there that's yeah. why i said 50 50 now he's on the islanders because yeah. he fucking knows what lou is gonna do with that like he'll pay matt martin casey Sezikis, and whoever else four million dollars to play on the on the fourth line but you know barzell i would say is the only star player that he's ever signed to a massive deal at least in recent memory you know you've got a lot of jg pajos and anders lees and anthony bavilliers who make kind of mid-range money but the way that he structures his teams and this was a point of contention for him in toronto like 100 percent the way he structures his teams he doesn't do it the top heavy way so i'll be interested to see if he does re-sign horvat but if i'm a betting man uh, i'm betting against it for sure yeah, I think the next contract we're looking at for Horvat is probably eight times eight, and then 
you know, looking at Meyer, his QO is $10 million, but that doesn't mean he's going to make $10 million a year on a long-term deal. I would think it's around eight, eight and a half. I, I was listening to Elliot Friedman talk about this today, and he did say a couple of interesting things that, one, if the Islanders need to create space, that a casualty might be Pajot, who makes $5 bucks, and he could go somewhere like a team like Carolina, for example, um, where you know he could just play the same way there and just – the Islanders would be able to shed some money off the books. And also, um, Horvat is represented by Newport Sports. And a lot of Islanders guys are also represented by Newport. So there are a lot of um, connections there, and there's a lot of familiarity. So um, you got to think that they're trying to work on something. But with the way the Islanders play, like it's very possible that Horvat just doesn't end up lighting it up there they miss the playoffs things go sideways and then he signs somewhere else in the summer i could see that as well if that happens i'm going to be devastated because i have him in fantasy and he's been one of the best players in fantasy all year long like i think he's ranked in the top 10 currently so if that were to happen and if his production falls off like i'm gonna cry because he's been carrying my team (laughs) You know, but while we're still on the trade here, and I know we have a whole episode to do, but I mean, honestly, we can kind of speed speed run it because um, this trade talk is so much fun. I wanted to uh, read on air what I said to you guys in the chat, kind of knee jerk reaction to the trade, um, and then maybe just chat about what we think the return was, quick and how adequate that was. But um, okay, so this is what I said. Honestly, I think the fact that they had zero leverage in the trade at Vancouver, I think they did well. They weren't going to sign Horvat, and in my opinion, I think you know you might as well get something. Plus, if he doesn't sign in New York, the Isles are going to regret having to give away so much. Um, and like we just talked about for five minutes, like we have no idea if he's going to sign in New York. And if I'm betting on it, I, I'm betting that he doesn't. Uh, New York sucks now. They have no prospects in the system. They have no picks coming. This is the fourth straight year where they're not going to have a first-round pick. Um, Since Lou Lamorello came to the team in 2018, he's participated in five drafts. He's led the most recent four drafts and will obviously lead the upcoming draft as well. Only two players have played more than five games in the NHL. Atu Ratu was one of them. He's played 12. Um, so now they basically have nothing to show for all of those drafts. I know they're pretty recent, but that's dating back to, to the 2019 draft. And again, nothing to show for it. Um, I did say this, though. I said the only thing is that Vancouver probably could have waited and got more from a team who had a deal in place with uh, Horvat, which is something that we talked about, right? Like if, if you have the time, why not wait and try to get a better deal? Um, that would have driven up the price of the return. But like I said to you guys in the chat, that's easier said than done. Um, and just to summarize, a mid-round pick, a middle six player, and a B-plus prospect isn't bad for a guy having an outlier career year who you don't have money to sign anyways and like had zero leverage in the transaction in the first place. So given the situation that Vancouver is in, and you guys know that I hate on Vancouver management all the time. They've had a terrible, abysmal year and frankly all record do. over Everybody the last does. you know six years or so. But given the situation that they're in, not bad on Vancouver's part, in my opinion, but... 
creating that situation in the first place, very bad on Vancouver's part. I of course disagree. I, I agree with most of the things you said about the Islanders, but to me that makes this trade a lose lose and not. I mean, nothing but that. <clears throat> I would say that Vancouver definitely did have leverage in this situation because they had the hottest trade piece in the league available other than Timo Meyer. But um, yeah, the, the control thing's a different story. So they have the hottest rental in the league. And when you look at what teams are willing to give up for a fourth defenseman, um, i.e. Sherratt, yeah. for example. Gavrikov this year. Gavrikov, or and then now you look at your captain center who is having a career year. I'm it's an outlier because it is so fantastic, but his career has been very solid otherwise. Like you cannot bash this guy's career and say that this is just an outlier season. Like he's playing his ass off for the money right now, and I don't expect him, you know, I expect him to score 35 goals again next year. But Maybe not if he's on the Islanders. Um, <laughs> but when I look at the return, I just don't think it's enough. I think that Vancouver should have waited longer until they got something more. And like the, then when you talk about the Islanders, they've given up their future for what I think is just probably not enough for this team to make the playoffs in such a good East Conference and incredible Metro division. So I just don't get why they would give up such future pieces for for a guy that they have on this team you know it, like you're adding more another responsible forward with leadership capabilities to a group full of that um the one difference is he can score so i don't think it's enough for the islanders i don't think that vancouver got enough given who he is so i in my opinion it's lose lose both ways yeah, just going back to the leverage point, if you're a team negotiating with Patrick Alvin, aren't you just saying, like, listen, I know that you don't have the money to sign the player. I know that the player expects to be leaving at the end of the season. And I know that you're kind of running out of options because you're not going to just keep the player for nothing. You want to get something but for that it. exact thing can be said about every rental that has ever happened in the NHL ever. That That's the same situation for every rental. And we always expect them to get a huge chunk at the trade deadline because it's the biggest piece. Like there's three names that get spit around leading up to this trade deadline so far and they've been happening since the off season because we all know that you know san jose is probably not going to hold on to meyer and bo horvat they don't have the money for him they've picked jt miller and kuzmenko so we know these guys are expected to get traded so we expect a high piece because it's a tough market out there everyone needs something and everyone's trying to get a push well like the whole they have to get rid of the players, so they're getting less. I don't think that's fair because that's every season with rentals. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying if if that like that's my bargaining stance. If I'm the team coming in trying to get the player, I'm saying like, look, I would be you don't have any... to the next team. Then well, I think sure the ne- there was tons of them. I think that's what every team is going to say. And like, listen, you want Bo Horvat, and I'm sure there was a bidding war to an extent, and maybe they could have gotten more if they waited. I'm just saying, I think that. They're, they had less leverage than 
you would expect a team to have who has the the hottest commodity on the market because the situation in Vancouver has been so public and terrible over the last year. I would just want more of a for sure thing than a a third line, like undersized winger with decent skill and a prospect that we have no frigging clue what's going to happen with this guy. Like that's the thing. The best the best piece in this is the first round pick because it's a deep draft. But I would like a little more certainty in both the players that I get back, like potential wise. Whereas I don't have near as much faith in Ratu as well. Chad definitely, but most people like he had a good finish season. And world how many juniors. times have we seen that? And it doesn't doesn't translate. So I don't, I don't know. I just I'm not happy for any team involved, and I'm certainly not happy because he's in the Metro Division now. Fuck. I I was gonna say that's the one reason why I am pretty happy is because uh, he didn't go to the Atlantic. <laughs> I thought for sure that Boston or Tampa. I mean, probably not Tampa for Horvat, but I thought that Boston would be able to to get him or someone, and then that would mean trouble for the Leafs. But so that's a win in in and of itself. I think. I'll, uh, I'll I'll quickly give my two cents on the on the return for both sides, and then we'll we'll move on to uh, our first team that uh, we're going to grade here in, in the Metro. I, I'm kind of leaning more towards your side case, sort of a lose lose. Like there's risk on both sides. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, I think the first round pick is good. Like to me, I look at the return that the Sabers got for Jack Eichel. I, I know that's different, but I just I really would have liked to see a fourth piece in the return for the Vancouver Canucks. Like I said, another pick, a second or a third. I would have felt better about the return, but really. On the Vancouver side, you could look at it this way. You get two reclamation projects and a first-round pick, right? Like 25-year-old Anthony Bavillier, maybe he um, gets back to more offense and just, you know, uh, where he can just go out there and play freely under a new system with the Vancouver Canucks because, you know, we know how the Islanders play. Ratu is kind of a wild card. It's been a, a rough journey for him, but could be one of those high-risk, high-reward kind of things. Like, you know, very similar to Brad Lambert getting picked 30th by the Winnipeg Jets, who's also a Finn, funny enough. And then for the Islanders, just the risk of it not working out, not having success, uh, Horvat not quite fitting in around Matt Barzell and, and you know, the other uh, big players that they have in their forward group and not re-signing. So it could very well be a lose-lose. There's high risk on both sides, I think. But um, not a bad return for Vancouver, just going back to that. But would have liked to see a fourth piece in there, whether it's a, another draft pick or a young player, whatever. What do you think the odds are of New York realizing that they're going to miss the playoffs and flipping him again at the deadline for slightly fewer assets? I Jeez. actually heard that on a, on Jeff Merrick's show today and uh, heard that exact thing that you just brought up and, and laughed about it. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, my goodness. And, and the other thing, too, like, I don't want that to happen to Bo Horvat. I like him. He's been through a lot. He deserves better. I mean, you, you heard him talk. He thought he was going to be a Vancouver Canuck for the rest of his career in the summer. 
and that's just not how it worked out. So I really hope that doesn't happen, but hey, you never know. I mean, the Islanders aren't exactly in the best spot right now, and this is kind of a Hail Mary. Before the trade occurred, Money Puck had them with a 14% chance to make the playoffs, and last I checked, it's about 19% after the trade. So, like, what the hell? <laughs> it, it could be a possibility of flipping him again. I, I'm just saying. Oh, that would be wild. All right, boys. Well, good uh, discussion on uh, the big trade that went down. And, uh, of course, the uh, the trade deadline is coming up on March 3rd. And um, so we're, we're a little over a month away from that, which is really exciting. Hey guys, there's no betting corner segment in this episode of the podcast, so I thought I would take this time to tell you a little bit about our newest sponsor, BetStamp, the line shopping app for sports bettors. Betting lines have different odds across each sportsbook, and by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all of those sportsbooks to ensure that you're finding the best value available on the bets that you'd probably already be making. Also, the BetStamp app allows you to track all of your verified bets across those different sportsbooks so that you can build a more credible record as a better, and it allows you to follow other winning BetStamp users so that you can instantly be notified of their picks. So click the link in the description down below to download the BetStamp app today, and when you do, be sure to provide the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH when prompted to do so to let them know that we sent you. Every download really helps us out, and it helps you out as well, so we would really appreciate the support. Thanks, guys. All right, let's get to our first team to grade in the Metro division, and that is the Carolina Hurricanes. And I'm just going to say right off the bat that you guys were all over me picking this team uh, to win the President's Trophy. I well, wasn't. If, if, no, Case was. Sorry, Case. If, um, if, oh, they're not if winning Bruins, the President's Trophy, so. Well, I, I mean, they're like. If, if the Bruins continue oh. to slide a little bit here, <laughs> got them. <laughs> if, if, if the if the Bruins continue to slide a bit here and Carolina keeps rolling, it could happen. Is Carolina won, rolling? I think they just had their worst month of the season. They've won five games in a row. It's still the worst month of their season, or is that December? It was one of the two. That's pretty indicative of how good they are, though. If you can, oh yeah, but they're not as <laughs> yeah. good as Boston. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it like it's it's kind of getting close, though. Is that fair? Like, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's definitely getting. Oh, I'm, close. About, I'm about yeah. to pump their tires and give them yeah, a great grade. Exactly. So anyway, so 72 points in 49 games. That's enough of uh, my blab in case. Let's let's get your grade on the Kings. <laughs> I'm going to give them the second A plus I've given out this season. So. Uh, there you go, Harp. <laughs> Are you happy? <laughs> um, when you talk about this team, like I talked earlier about possession and, and how you don't need to hit when you have the puck. Well, this is the possession team. They are at the top in every possession metric there is the uh, puck pursuit the Corsi the Fenwick like all of that they have the best shot differential in the league and that's how this team plays if you have the puck you're not getting scored on and it's shown with them um, you know you don't need to be scoring 
but you're because you're also not getting scored on when you have the puck. They're 17th in goals, but they're also phenomenal at keeping the puck out of their own net, despite having middling team save percentage, which again shows how good they are at just controlling the game. They have the puck constantly. So it's interesting to watch this team. It's kind of a, a formula that you don't see a lot throughout the league, and, and there's not a lot of teams that can do it quite like them. And um, there's a lot of positives here. There's a lot of their key key pieces really showing up and a new guy burns that slavin burns pair is phenomenal they've been probably the best pair and most consistent pair in the entire season um i can only come up with one negative is that their power play is not that good but that's one of those things that over time will start clicking and and this team's going to continue to roll so yeah i have carolina as an a plus yeah, I mean, it's an A for me. I think they've been pretty much everything we've expected. They made a calculated risk in the offseason by bringing in Burns after D'Angelo uh, left for Philly. So, uh, again, it was a calculated risk, but Burns has fit in very, very nicely. Huge ad there. Uh, they score by committee. Um, they've had a few players emerge as uh, true offensive threats like Martin Natchez. Uh, has been a legit top six contributor this year. Um, their goaltending, you know, has been fine, despite the fact that normally it's it's like one of their absolute strengths. This year, it's been slightly below average uh, compared to what it normally is. So that's the only reason I'm not giving them an A plus. But they've had some other names, you know, sneak in there as other productive players too. Like Seth Jarvis is a guy who's scoring at about a half a point a game, and Stefan Nason is another player too. So they're <laughs> they're getting some good depth scoring um, from players like that and. You know, I I think Aho is the only guy who has over a point per game right now. So all of their lines are just rolling the way they want them. I'm giving them an A because I think this is where we expected them to be. And uh, the the only reason maybe that they're not an A plus or higher in the standings, in my opinion, is that they don't have Max Pacioretty, who was supposed to be sort of like a savior for them, and then he got hurt again, and we don't really know what the rest of his career is going to look like now with another Achilles injury. But they're doing all of this without Pacioretty or a guy like Andre Kasha, who was, again, supposed to be another depth contributor to this team. So like, I felt so bad when I chuckled when I saw the Pacioretty injury come up because like I feel so bad for the guy and the player. But I, it just was flashback to like one of the big argument pieces was like, oh, but like wait until they get Pacioretty back. And then it was yeah. like three games or whatever. I just saw it. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, yeah, that's unfortunate, but like ironic. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. And by the way, Harb, off the top, you mentioned that you know Case was giving you a bit of flack when you picked Carolina to be like the President's Trophy winners. I remembered that conversation too. Case did have them finishing second in the division, so like he was also pretty high on the team going into the season. Yeah, and, I just uh, like I remember Harp oh, almost guaranteeing he was they were going to win the President's Trophy, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> I mean, they are good, no, and Boston's enough. on a skid too, so you never know. Yeah, that, that that's all I'm saying. But no, for for sure. Um, 
uh, funny enough, like as high as uh, as I am on on the Canes, I uh, I'm not giving them as high of a grade as UK. So I'm going to give them an A as well. Uh, I, I really like Carolina, obviously, and you know a player for them who does not get talked about enough is their captain Jordan Stahl. Just that reliable veteran, a shutdown center that plays against top lines on most nights, and um, you know we we just wonder when this team is going to be able to break through in the postseason and maybe that's this year why give them an a instead of an a plus i i think it's it's just the it's really it takes a lot for them to score goals they have to work so hard to score goals a, a, a little bit like the islanders but i mean there's just there's way more talent and uh so many more weapons on this hockey team but you know they're, they're so good with puck possession they they dump it in they they go and get it they've got speed and all of that but they they really have to work to score goals and losing Pacioretty sucks and so look at them to maybe be in on a Timo Meyer or someone else at the deadline who can just give you an easy goal maybe a Tarasenko someone like that and we've heard Rod Brindamore talk about this before that you know some nights we we just oh tonight we just need an easy goal we just need a quick one to get back into this so that's why I'm giving them an A but this is a damn good hockey team my question about this team is who starts game one of the playoffs because they have three pretty capable goalies and this year I think it wouldn't be a stretch to say that Kachekov has been the best of the three and then yep but he's in the minors right now and then you've got Anderson and yeah, Ranta I'm, Ranta has I'm going with Anderson yeah Ranta has been great bat. and Anderson's been just okay so I'm. I really don't know. I think it'll be who's hottest at the time, and I wonder if Kachekov gets more games before the playoffs. I don't know. Again, it doesn't yeah. matter who's in that when you have the puck the whole time. True. <laughs> Very true. And now a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime so get 20 percent off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout that's 20 percent off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com experience better hydration today with liquid iv this podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. 
All right, let's move on to our second team in the Metro Division. Uh, Case, you've got the gear on for this one. What a season it's been for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, 68 points in 49 games. Case, your grade and thoughts on your New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I wish I could sit here and say that this was what I expected from this team, but I had them fifth in the division at the the preseason. I think a lot of that had to do with me setting expectations uh, for my happiness uh, and fading myself. But this just goes to show what another year older can do for this team and above average goaltending last year worst goaltending in the league for like six different goalies well it's different this year and i'm giving out my third a plus i was hesitant hesitant to do it because i didn't want to sound biased but when you expect this team to be fifth in the division and they're third currently in the entire league i think that that stands for an a plus uh another great possession team they're third in Corsi, third in fenwick all of that fun stuff uh third and goals for third and expected goals against fourth and goals against thanks vtech eighth and team save percentage mostly due to him most come from behind victories in the league at 15 i honestly don't ever think this team is out of it and they don't either it's like they're down three one or four one to vegas i'm like they could come back they do they come back overtime win it's uh, it's incredible uh the only negative i could come up with for this team right now is that their special teams are okay but the power play has continually gotten better this season so i expect it to continue to improve man am i ever happy for hughes he sure brat and dougie hamilton all of them are playing like true superstars in this league hughes is electric to watch yeah, I mean, what more can be said about this team? It's an A-plus for me as well. I think that's my second. I think I gave one to Seattle and now one to New Jersey. Um, maybe I have one or two more, probably just one more for uh, the rest of the teams here. But, yeah, I'll give them an A-plus. I don't think um, they deserve anything other than an A-plus because relative to our expectations, they have exceeded them by a country mile. Um you know, we thought that they would be a playoff bubble team, maybe in that fourth, fifth spot in the Metro, um, being able to squeak in and, you know, being a young, fun team and maybe not do so much damage in the playoffs, but just be able to get in. And that would be important for them. That would be a small victory. But this year isn't that at all. It's they are challenging for the top place in this division and one of the top teams in the league. That's how good they've been all year. Um, Hughes, Hamilton, and goaltending, the three guys that they've used throughout the season, have all been really, really good. Uh, even a guy like Mackenzie Blackwood, who you know, a lot of people think about his struggles last year and maybe would have written them off. He's been good this year in sort of a tandem slash backup role. So um, sort of everything is going well for them right now. And I mean, if you're a Devils fan like Case, you got to be happy with this. Like, it's just Christmas Day every day until they fall out of a playoff spot, which now that they're in, no, I'm saying now that they're in, I don't know when that's going to be next because oh, this yeah. team is set up for the future as yeah. well as this season. 
Big time, for sure. I have yet to hand out my first A plus in uh, in all of these that we've done so far. But uh, and, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to give them an A. Uh, still, a, 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 still a great grade, obviously, um, because we did not expect this team to to get to this point and. Here they are, 13-game win streak. Not going to lie, Case, I was concerned about them because they kind of hit a lull a little bit and, you know, things weren't exactly great for a little bit of a stretch after that 13-game heater, but then they came right back up again. An incredible road team, by the way. (laughs) So impressive the way that they've played on the road. I would like to see them win at home a little more often, but so impressive to see how they've played on the road. That is not easy. And listen, you guys know this. Jack Hughes is not my favorite player in in the league, but he is absolutely electric. And that $8 million contract, it's looking like one of the best contracts in the NHL right now. And, you know, and again, like that trade in the summer for John Marino kind of flew under the radar and I remember when the three of us were all in, in Toronto together last, and I asked you about him, Case, and you were like, he is the devil's best defenseman. Like, what a deal that was for them. And so everything has just worked out. This team needed to take a step. They have, and then another step on top of that, and here they are second in this division. So I'll give the Devils an A. The only thing I would say for them that they need to add, whether that's a team O'Meyer or someone else, is just a little bit of size up front uh, uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah. Just quickly to talk about uh, the Hughes contract, like, Obviously, for the simple reasons, it's an incredible contract. But one thing that I'm just trying to hold on to, and same with the Heischer contract, is when Jesper Bratt's up at the end of the season, you know that Tom Fitzgerald's going to be going, Jesper, look at Jack. He's making $8 million, 8.6, whatever, 8.7. You think you deserve more than Jesper, or Jack Hughes? Like that has to be part of the negotiation. Do you think you deserve more than Jack and Nico? I don't know. So hope that hope that plays into things and Jesper signs for around uh, you know eight million or so. Case, do you know is he an RFA at the end end of the year this year? Brad, he should be. I mean, yes. there you go. He's, yeah, he's I, like twenty four. Yeah. yeah. He's an RFA, and um, it, it was interesting. I, I thought he was going to get offer sheeted last summer. Could very well happen this summer, but I expect that he sticks around. And uh, it, Fitzgerald's done a hell of a job there, man. Hell of oh, yeah. a job. All right, let's move on to our third team in this division, and uh, that is the New York Rangers. Uh, it's been you know, a, a season that kind of started off well, then got ugly for a little while there. Chad, I know you, you had this hockey team missing the playoffs when we did our 2023 Bold Predictions episode a little while back, but they look like uh, they're right back to the Rangers of last season. 62 points in 49 games, third in this division case thoughts on the rangers and your grade just quickly i I still wouldn't you know bat away chad's comment of them missing the playoffs in a tight division because they could slip fast but that's true i'm yeah i'm gonna give the new york rangers and my bones hurt an a minus 
in this season so far. Uh, an A minus because they're actually lower than where I had them in the preseason rankings, which was first in this division. Um, they're in a playoff spot, and what I can say about this team, you know, looking through Money Puck and, and a couple other websites, they are okay at everything. They're not great at anything. They're not bad at anything. They are okay at everything. The biggest outlier in the standings that I could find for them is their second in rebound shots against. That's how hard I had to look for something impressive <laughs> for this team. Like, they're okay. Their decor is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. They have two very solid pairings and a third pairing that they can kind of throw down to eat up a couple defensive minutes. Um, they it's resulted in a third best goals against in the league that's probably the best stat for this team um a lot of that has to do with shesterkin turning things around there's a time where we were like oh but he's definitely turned things around he's back to like a 917 save percentage so i can i can point the goals against to that and how physical this team is but again okay at everything um the negatives is they lack scoring and their power play is pretty mediocre. But again, okay at everything. Third in this division, that's an A minus. Yeah, I mean, it's a B plus for me. And Harper, you alluded to it. I did have them missing the playoffs as a bold prediction for this season. And that was only, what, like a month ago, maybe, when we did that episode, yeah. just doing some, some random hot takes. Because um, at the time, they were on a bit of a skid. And I think Money Puck had them uh, at about a 55% chance to make the playoffs. Um, and also at that time, Igor Shosturkin was not looking hot. Like you said, Case, there were times where we looked at him and it was, uh-oh, like what's going to happen here? Because as we know, they're a team very similar to the Nashville Predators, the Winnipeg Jets, um, and a couple others in there who are so heavily reliant on their starting goalie to steal games and over the last month or two Shesterkin has improved tremendously and he's back up to again being one of the best goalies in the league in in my favorite stack goal saved above expected he's currently sixth in the NHL and I believe when I I had that bold take he was outside the top 20 and not looking good but uh yeah all that being said I give I'm giving them a B plus they're a below average team in expected goals percentage um, a guy like Kreider has fallen off as well but they do have some guys like Panarin Mika Zibanejad uh, Adam Fox of course all having pretty good years Trocheck in there as well maybe Philip Heedle Heedle yeah, yeah as well yes um, and also you know one of my biggest gripes with this team over the past couple of years has been the fact that they don't play their young guys enough well Heedle is one of their young guys he is playing a lot more um, and Lafreniere and Kako are both playing about 15 minutes a night, and they're both producing at about half a point a game, which is, you know, you would like to see a little bit more, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I can't give New York uh, an A grade. But I think a B-plus is fair because this is pretty much where we expect them to be, I think, in the standings. You know how much I saw this symbol? I'm figuring out greater than 
Capo Caco greater than Jack Hughes. Oh, yeah. where yeah. are you now? Where are you now? <laughs> yeah, that one of those players could be oh. moved at the deadline if they really want to upgrade and go for it. Because, like you mentioned off the top, yeah. Harp, they need scoring in case, like you said, their power play isn't very good. And last year, their power play was one of the best in the league, and that's why Chris Kreider was able to score 52 goals. Um, this year, I think he's on pace for under 40. So. You know, they could use the scoring and maybe one of those players gets shipped out the door because they still have, you know, some value. But yeah, B plus for me. Yeah, I'll I'll give the Rangers a B plus too. There's been a lot of inconsistencies with this hockey team throughout the season and yeah, like a while ago we were saying that well it's Shesterkin and when he's not on his game, all of the blemishes show with this team. Even though there's the whole thing with with Gallant and the young players, you know, it looks like Heedle, like you guys mentioned, and Kako are, are the two that have that are really starting to find themselves. Lafreniere is the guy for me who is kind of outside those two and a little bit behind Kako and Heedle, in my opinion, still trying to find himself. We know that if this team wants to go and acquire Patrick Kane, for example, from the Blackhawks, that it's going to be one or the other, Kako or Lafreniere, um, attached to that deal. We would think, at least, that's what Chicago would uh, would want. So um, they just got to figure out their roles a little bit, keep letting those guys grow. Kravtsov is another one, obviously. But um, Gallant has been able to find some nice roles for other players as well. Jimmy Vesey, who got a, uh, a contract extension, he's turned into a really nice bottom six player back with the New York Rangers for the second time, as, as we know, of course, and has kind of had to reinvent himself. You know, he's not going to come in and, and be that offensive threat that he once was when he was at Harvard. So he's really reinvented himself. And uh, Keandre Miller, extremely underrated defenseman on the blue line. I know a lot of the talk is about Fox and Truba, but not enough talk about Keandre Miller. He is a really good defenseman. And then in the, in the net... A lot of talk about Shesterkin, obviously. He, you know, he gets a lot of the uh, the headlines and everything, but. Yaroslav Halak is is not having a, a bad season either. This is uh, I, I keep hearing from um, videos and stuff that I've been watching. Just a discussion on on the Rangers that this is probably the best hockey that Halak is playing in the last like in in probably three years. He's been a, a decent backup for them. So um, all in all, pretty good. Got to give them a B plus. All right, let's move on to uh, the fourth team in this division. And, uh, you know, these these next two teams coming up really close and just trying to fight their way in, into playoff spots. And it's going to be weird if we don't see one or both of these next uh, teams not in the postseason. But we'll start with one of them in the Washington Capitals, currently in fourth in this division, 58 points in 52 games. We know they have just been hammered with injuries. But with that being said, Case, let's get your grade for the Caps. I think other than the Carolina President's Trophy argument at the preseason rankings, the biggest argument we had in this division was Washington and Pittsburgh. And we pretty much determined that 
it's going to be very close between these two teams. I think Chad had Pittsburgh above Washington and Harp had it uh Harp and I had it the other way while well, one point separates these two teams and Washington is on top so suck it Chad uh, 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 points percentage though points percentage uh, okay. though one team is that in the playoffs in terms joke. of point Wanna... percentage and oh, it's that, not the Capitals. that matters a whole lot um <laughs> One year. I, I have Washington as a B because they're exactly where I expected them to be in the standings, but they are very middling in terms of everything. They're very middling in every stat there is, um, but they just kind of find ways to win games. I guess that's experience is what, is what shows there, but a middling team that is in a playoff spot, they better hold on to it, but yeah, it's uh, there's nothing that jumps out for them. I think, honestly, we should do both of these teams together because I think they've always been tied together and they will be yeah. going forward, at least until the end of the season. So I gave both teams a B because I think, again, this is pretty much exactly where we thought both teams would be, you know, on the outside looking in or just sneaking into the playoffs, like right on that fringe because they both have that aging core that was so good in the past and they're still trying to cling on to that and they can for the most part and, and they can still be competitive with the course that they have so you know it's not like an aging team like san jose who has their core relatively intact except for i guess burns leaving uh this season but and then aren't able to compete at all like these two teams still have their core they're still able to compete i gave them both a b um and like i did mention you know they're both competing for that last playoff spot if we sort by points washington is in fourth and pittsburgh's in fifth in this division if we sort by points percentage they flop and or, or they flip and pittsburgh is 15th in the nhl in points percentage buffalo is 16th actually and then washington goes down to 19th in points percentage so I mean, I guess we'll see how the the final couple months of the season go, and and which team gets in. A bird if not both in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, they could lose their next three games, Pittsburgh, that is, and they would have the same points percentage. But I'm just saying, yeah, there it's very close, and we'll have to see how it shakes out at the end of the year for Washington. Um, I think the problem obviously has been injuries they're very banged up backstrom's only played nine games wilson's only played eight he's still out connor brown played four games this season he's still out john carlson literally severed his ear off or a part of his ear off and is still out and i don't know when he's going to return um so obviously that is a major factor for their lack of success um so even if they miss this year i don't think they make crazy changes in the offseason but right now i think a b is good for them and then uh, moving on to pittsburgh now and and like i said i think it makes sense to do these two in the same uh you know you look at their top point producers crosby malkin gensel all over a point per game they're getting good depth scoring this season from guys like zucker uh raquel and rust and of course Latang, who has had uh just an incredible season an emotional season that is as well um, yep. And for Pittsburgh, goaltending finally really isn't the problem. Both Jari and DeSmith have positive goal saved above expected and pretty good uh, uh, regular surface level numbers as well. And 
they're a good possession team who is generating a ton of expected goals eighth, eighth in the nhl right now so again i think for both teams where they're currently situated in this metro they could both make the playoffs if five metro teams make it and three atlantic teams make it i know harper you wouldn't be satisfied with that because that would mean your sabers no. wouldn't but i think you know a good team or two or three is gonna have to miss the playoffs this year it might be one of these two but the way it's trending right now it might not be either so b's for both so i'm gonna give the caps a b and uh the penguins a b minus and uh you know as we mentioned caps at 52 games Pens at 49, so they've got three games in hand, a chance to, you know, jump up uh, on, on the Capitals' backs here. And, and uh, you know, the, these teams have been tied together forever with Crosby and Ovechkin, as we mentioned. But a couple of reasons why I'm going to put the Capitals ahead of the Penguins a little bit with uh, the B grading versus uh, the B minus is because, obviously, injuries. And two, the Capitals have had some really good finds that have been really um really good for them this season Sonny Milano for example who uh did not resign in Anaheim went the whole summer without signing anywhere goes on a PTO with the Calgary Flames gets cut then signs for league minimum with the Capitals and it's gotten to the point where he's been in the lineup instead of Anthony Mantha and so, I mean, that's, I think it's it's a testament to Milano and the way that he's played under Peter Laviolette, a veteran coach, and uh, and how poor of a season Anthony Mantha has had for the Capitals. A couple other guys, Charlie Lindgren, who's been an excellent backup goaltender. I thought he played really well when Kemper was, uh, was out for a little while there uh, earlier on. And Eric Gustafson as well, very underrated defenseman on on this blue line and uh, probably looking at a contract extension for him. Honorable mention to Dylan Strome has been a very good player for them um, and, mm-hmm. and uh, has played well in that second line center role with Nick Backstrom out. So I'll give the Capitals a B. It's just, you know, consistency, getting healthier, that sort of thing. And then the Penguins with a B minus. Well, Talk about a team that's been so up and down this year. Like I said that, you know, the St. Louis Blues have been the league's most inconsistent team. Well, I think you can put the Pens up there a little bit too. It's like they lose seven in a row that, or, or and then they, they win six in a row. And it's just very streaky, very up and down. Um, and, you know, Chad, you mentioned the goaltending that, you know, it really hasn't been an issue. Well, it is now because Tristan Jari is injured. And this was the same problem that the Pittsburgh Penguins ran into in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the New York Rangers. Their goaltenders were hurt. They had to bring Louis Domingue in and have Casey DeSmith. And so how can you sell to your fan base that, oh, well, you know, let's say the Pens make the playoffs. We lost in the first round because of goaltending or whatever. Well, that would be the the second year in a row. So they may be a team uh, in on Demco or or trying to upgrade their goaltending a little bit. So uh, just with all that aside, I've got the Pens just below the caps at a B-. minus. I also have the Pens with a B-. minus. I just think that there's a couple things that stand out to me. It's just like they're not very good defensively. They have a poor power play despite having 
you know that core group of guys it makes no sense and i think we're we're looking at depth a little different chad in that there's nothing outside of those top five forwards that you mentioned so i I think that they they lack depth when you look outside of that like they do have guys like Raquel and Russ that you wouldn't necessarily think of as core guys that are scoring for them, but and other than that, it's just in soccer. Yeah. But other than that, it's just not not really happening for them. So, um, I was saying they lack scoring depth because they are pretty low in goals. But you got to look at how unlucky this team's been with goals above expected of minus fifteen point seven three, which is the fourth worst in the league. So they have been unlucky, but. I just don't think that they're putting up a good enough defensive group effort to continue to win, especially with uh, Tristan Yari going down. Like Jari, that's that's going to be tough. We'll we'll see what happens here, especially as a streaky team. You know, no more goaltending, and I uh, just smell a five-game losing streak coming to, to ruin that <laughs> win percentage. Yeah, just I mean, DeSmith has been slightly better than average this year he hasn't been the problem and like this is a team that i've said you know if they get average goaltending they should be okay and for the most part this season it hasn't been spectacular even with jari you know it's been about above league average just slightly above league average and that's kind of all you need but that being said like a 917 save percentage or something like that he does currently have a 917 but he's been kind of up and down all year highs and lows and his his current goal saved above expected is just above three so it's been you know above average but not incredible to say the least so if they were in on demko like do it you know what i mean like do it if demko's available and you have the assets to get him absolutely do it because he's a difference maker but and contract certainty that too but in terms of like grabbing a goalie for depth you know if, if you get a a backup or something like i don't even know who would be available at this point but if you were to get a backup goalie just for depth i don't think it's going to make or break your season and i don't think having DeSmith as your starter is going to make or break your season because like i mentioned he's been okay yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, we can uh, rip through these last three teams in uh, the Metro here. We won't uh, spend a ton of time on the Islanders. We we talked about them a lot right off the top. Of course, they, they made the uh, the trade for Bo Horvat with Vancouver. But uh, the New York Islanders, 55 points in 52 games, and uh, they had a rough January. So let's get into the Islanders' case. Yeah, I have them as a C, and I would go as far as C minus. The only thing good about this team is their goal goalie, their goaltender in general. Both of them have been pretty good. Sorokin, obviously, like the second best goalie in the league so far this season. Maybe the first yeah. best if you account for how many games he's played. Um, and the other thing is their penalty kill is phenomenal. But I want to talk about how their defensive structure and them being a good defensive team is an illusion. It's a complete illusion when you look at the numbers. Um, I'm just going to spit out a few here. Sixth highest expected goals against. Six in high danger shots against. They give away the puck the fourth most in their defensive zone in the entire league. And they're bottom 10 in shot differential. I think it's an absolute illusion that this team is actually good at defense, at least this season. It's not been good. Sorokin's been standing on his head. He's got the second most goals above it expected and that's literally showing 
this team is giving up a ton of chances and their goalie is bailing them out. That's what that stat tells you. So this team, not that good at defense, 25th in the league in scoring. I don't think they're good. I also don't think they're good. And that was one of the only main points I wrote for this team. And I think that's the main reason I'm giving them a C minus because they're not very good. C minus for me too. Let's go. (laughs) Keep going, Chad. (laughs) They're not very good. They're not going to make the playoffs, even with Bo Horvat now. And most of the points that I wrote down to talk about this team, I already mentioned uh, when we talked about the Bo Horvat trade off the top of the episode, you know, things like they mortgaged their future in this trade, things like they're still not going to make the playoffs, things like they haven't had a first round pick in four straight years now when they already stink and have no prospects coming and just traded away their best prospect. Like, I hate everything about how this team is managed, and it is just the complete antithesis to how I think a team should be properly managed in the salary cap era. Um, so with all that being said, C-. minus. It's just been bad. We've got our first sweep of this episode. I'm going with a C- minus two for the New York Islanders. I have never liked the Islanders, I just want to say. I think they're a boring team to watch, and, um, you know, that might sound a little harsh, but just... This team has got to change the way that they play, man. Like, there are some real talented offensive threats on this team. The Matt Barzells, the Oliver Wallstroms go down the list that just aren't producing that uh, the way that they could. And we know that they could because of how they play. And I thought it would change a little bit uh, under Lane Lambert after they decided to let go of Barry Trotz, but it hasn't changed at all. And um, we'll see. I mean, this this team is... Uh They've lost some pretty crucial games, games that you look at on their schedule that they should have won. Like those are those are games that they needed to have and they haven't. And so hopefully Horvat gives them a jolt here. But I, I think if this team misses the playoffs, like if if I'm the owner, like I'd be looking to kind of overhaul management and coaching a little bit and being like, okay, like we've got to change the way that we play and focus more on offense because there are some talented guys uh, in in the forward group in particular that could be doing a lot more offensively. Without Sorokin, this team is really hoping they get Bedard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we've said in previous episodes when we're doing these these in-season grades that, you know, this is not the year to be a tweener team. And it feels like that's what they are. And they're kind of screwing themselves over because, well, I mean, at least they protected the pick that they sent. They Top 12 protected, right? So that if they do finish in the bottom of the league. Which makes this trade even worse for Vancouver. Yeah, that is true. Like, but that would have been so hard for them to get. Like, imagine looking at a team who's in, like, whatever they are, 19th, 20th in the NHL and saying, hey, have our best player, but if you finish in the bottom 10 in the league, we're going to eat up that draft pick. Like, first overall, Connor Bedard, deepest draft in recent memory. You know, yeah. like that would be insane. I, I heard this today about the Islanders. Uh, like, the two teams that made this trade together – um, are, are they not similar 
in a lot of ways. Like, Vancouver has just tried to constantly fix things on the fly without committing to one direction or another, giving up assets, spending money, you know, being close to the cap, all of that. Is, is that not the Islanders? I think too? the key piece of that is spending money in the wrong spots. Mm-hmm. It's both That's teams. True. They spent the money in the wrong guys. Definitely. Yeah. I will say the key difference between the two teams is that the Islanders went to back-to-back conference finals. And exactly. For a period of time, quite possibly could have been considered the second best team in hockey for a two to three year stretch not even in the regular season but just the way they were able to get it done in the playoffs like if you do it back to back years i think you can throw the idea that it was a fluke out the window um but since then they haven't changed anything they've been kind of you know stagnant in terms of managing their assets so Yeah, and obviously I was thinking of that when I was bringing this up, that, you know, Vancouver has been like that for years, whereas the Islanders have really only been like this for the past, you could say, two seasons. Yeah. So, anyway, it's just interesting that... uh, they ended up getting together and, and making that trade. So that's uh, that's the Islanders. And we'll move on to the Philadelphia Flyers, who are in seventh in this division, of course. Um, 51 points in 51 games, NHL 500. I think that we expected this team to be a lot worse, and it certainly looked like they were going to be in the Bedard sweepstakes, but they've kind of turned it around here, which I, I don't know how you feel about that if you're a Flyers fan um also if you're a Flyers fan I just I I, I'm sorry I I feel bad for you but anyway uh I was so genuine uh, let's get your grade uh for the Flyers yeah I gave them a D um the positives I could see for this team is Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny Konechny talked about being traded constantly probably can't trade Hayes because he's got a huge contract um, somehow JVR talks are coming up despite his contract so that's going on but man this team very poor defensively they give up a ton of high and medium danger chances they're 27th in goals per game they've got the fourth worst power play in the league they had a 10 game losing streak earlier on in the season and now they have the 10th best odds for getting Connor Bedard this team sucks they need to be worse to get Connor Bedard so I give them a D yeah I gave them a C minus I was a a little bit nicer Um, I don't know why I gave them a C minus maybe I should have went with a D plus or something but yeah for all the same reasons case like this team stinks and it seems like they're the only people on the entire planet their management group that is who doesn't realize that this team stinks um you know, they have a few bright spots, like you mentioned. You know, Travis Konechny is having a great year. Kevin Hayes is an all-star, uh, despite being healthy scratched earlier in the year by John Tortorella, who, by the way, I don't know why they hired him. Like, you're, you're That's what to brought re- them down to a D from a C- for me, Chad. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I don't know why you hired Tortorella when you should be trying to tank. Um, and then, obviously, the whole off-ice stuff, the whole Ivan Provorov situation. Like, this team is just a mess, top to bottom. Um, But, I don't know what game 
I was watching, um, but the Sportsnet guys on the panel in, in intermission were talking about tanking and how, you know, for the players, they don't really tank because you're playing for your next contract. You're playing to get traded at the deadline. You know, for a lot of reasons, players want to play their best at all times. And I think you're definitely seeing that in some of the guys on this team. Like Konechny, Konechny landed me Hedman in our fantasy league. I traded Travis Konechny for Victor Hedman in our fantasy league. So, like, that's how good of a season he's been having. Um, and just a great fantasy player because he does everything uh, from scoring to hitting and, and blocking shots and whatever. And would be a great ad for any team. But the point is, the team should be better. And if your management, or, or should be worse, rather. And if your management, that's what you want. But if you're a player, like... I don't know, man. Like, what else? What are you going to do if you're having a good year? Not play well? Like, it's a shitty situation because it's such a deep draft. But, like, they're kind of just screwing over the Flyers for the future. You know, like, they probably should have started shedding players earlier to avoid something like this, like Chicago did. You know, like, that's my problem is they should have dropped, they should have traded Konechny for. A lot earlier. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, should have done something sooner. I, I don't know yeah. what it is, but like this team needs to be bad this season and they're, they can't even get that right. Another thing, too. <laughs> another thing, too. You know what's crazy? Carter Hart is having his best season in the NHL, possibly. And you should be tanking. But what are you going to do as a goalie? Get lit up every night? Tank your confidence? Tank your stock? Like... It's a tough situation for the players, but yeah, like if you're management, you got to do something about it. Like Chicago did, you know, for example, when Lucas Reichel came up over a point per game and they said, "Uh, no, you're going right back down, bud. You got another year to develop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Oh, goodness. That's that's a good comparison. I think you just play their backup goalie a little more (laughs) or something like that. Like, yeah, like yeah, Felix play, Sandstrom uh, and like Sandstrom or, uh, or Samuel Urson. Yeah, like put Carter Hart on LTIR and send him to Hawaii for the season, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Carter, you're healthy, but we're going to put you on LTIR. Yeah, oh, I was looking. This... Speaking of LTIR, not to make this episode any longer than it already is, but I was looking at this the other day. Eighteen teams currently in the NHL are spending over the cap through LTIR. So, like, the whole cap system is totally useless at this point. Just wanted to say that, because why do we insist on a hard cap if more than half of the teams are spending over the cap with this LTIR loophole for players who are never going to play again? Makes no sense. It is a greasy loophole, that's for sure. But if it's around, you might as well use it, especially if you're a contending team. So, um Anyway, yeah, for for me, I'll be a little bit nicer than than you, Chad, with the Flyers, despite everything I said right off the top. I'll give them a C plus, so just a little bit more. I just think that, you know, it was set up to be such a negative, awful season for them. And yes, they are bad at 
being bad as we've as we've mentioned but um you know this team just needs to get the highest pick possible i i think you know that they are gonna lose a lot more games to to come here we'll, we'll see how they look at the end of the season and i think you just hope that they get a high draft pick or they're able to hop up in in uh in the draft lottery standings a little bit and uh and get a higher pick um but you know they they just they they're playing hard it's nice to see Konechny yeah should they have dealt him before like what Chicago did like you guys mentioned with Kirby Doc and uh Brandon Hagel probably but he's looking like he's part of the solution now and like you you need those core guys who are going to you know eventually get you over the hump like kind of like with Arizona like Arizona could have traded Keller and Krauss and Schmaltz and those guys but they kept them all because they're they're going to be a part of the solution there and Konechny is uh obviously one of those guys for the Philadelphia Flyers so as much as we hate on John Tortorella and I can't stand him he's part of that old boys club of coaches coaches he does have them playing hard every single night and they've certainly made things interesting in this division except when they lost 10 games in a row i mean (laughs) that's right i I just i i hate when anyone talks anything good about tortorello it just makes no sense to me like the only time this team has been talked about this season is tortorello uh is provorov is d'angelo is scratching haze it's like the only times these guys ever get talked about is because they're doing bad shit. It's like, <laughs> it's and so I'm not even gonna like. I won't get into the Proveroff things. I don't want to piss off either side. But like, yeah, it's just a bad look. The the team continues yeah. to have bad looks, and it's like the only time they're ever talked about is with a negative connotation. It's like, well, and and again, going back dumb. to. Yeah, going back to your comment, Chad, about, you know, how players play with pride, they don't tank and all of that, like, everything that I've heard from Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff, who, of course, lives in Philly, and other guys talking about the Flyers, too, is that, like, guys in that room, Kevin Hayes and a lot of these guys... The way they're thinking is like, well, if we get Sean Couturier back and Cam Atkinson, who's uh, out for the rest of the season, that we're going to be pretty good. And yeah, I, I, I come don't know 20th. if <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if if that's necessarily the case. But hey, I mean, you know, you love that out of players to to play with pride and play hard every night, and and also too, Chad, you've you've said this so many times, but like Chuck Fletcher worst general manager in the NHL like it's you know and looking back like what they gave up for Rasmus Ristolainen like just what a steal of a trade that was for us and he's been playing better lately but he's been a healthy scratch and has just looked terrible on a lot of nights for this team and we got three assets for him not only did the Flyers give up more for Ristolainen than, than the Sabres got in return for Sam Reinhart from the, the Panthers. But yeah. Chuck Fletcher and company couldn't admit that it was a bad trade. And to stroke their egos, doubled down, re-signed the guy to way too much money. And now he's unplayable some nights, according to their new crazy head coach Tortorella so like the whole situation is just it's it's 
it's incompetence, top to bottom, in my opinion. Like, my toxic trait is thinking that I could run an NHL team better than some general managers. And the reason I feel like that is because Chuck Fletcher currently still has a job in the NHL. Sorry, <laughs> Chuck Fletcher, I'm sure you're a nice person, but your work hasn't exactly been a good body. No, didn't exactly do a stellar job in Minnesota either. Again, sorry. Chuck, but uh, and it, you know, I, I just hope that as far as management is concerned with this team, Daniel Briere is there as an assistant that he takes over as general manager at some point. That that would be nice to see. All right, one more team in the Metro to uh, to grade and to talk about. This should be pretty quick. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh boy, it's been a rough season in Ohio. Uh, Thirty-three points in fifty games. They currently have the best odds to land Connor Bedard, which is a huge positive for this team and this market. Absolutely. But uh, let's let's wrap up with the Blue Jackets here, Case. Yeah, uh, B plus, B for Bedard, but plus because they have the best odds in the entire league to get them. So uh, that's it. Basically bottom five in every stat that exists on the planet. So not too many positives to talk about other than like uh, Ken Johnson's good and they're they're letting young guys play. It might be ruining Cole Sillinger, um, but they let young guys play on like New York. They're a young team. They've got probably the best prospect pool in the league and they could get the, the best player available at the draft in maybe the last 10 drafts. So um, B plus, I guess, for this team. Like, does that does that not make sense? Um, quickly, Marchenko. What is yep. that? What 13, 13 goals. goals, zero assists? How do you do <laughs> yeah. that? What is this, be a pro? <laughs> How does he not pick up a secondary assist? Like, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Like it, you How know, do you goes not, like, not score something? one of those 13 goals and a rebound falls for someone to tap it in? Like, I... He's elite. That's why. <laughs> First 13 points in the NHL are goals. That is incredible. For me, Columbus is going to get a B-. And the reason I'm giving a lower grade than you did, Case, is because although I think it's a really good thing that they're at the very bottom of the league, um, you know, despite the fact that Gary Bettman says nobody tanks because we have a weighted lottery system, um, that's ludicrous. But despite the fact that they have the best odds at Connor Bedard right now, um, we did expect them to be a little bit better this year. They signed the big fish in the offseason, Johnny Gaudreau, who is having a pretty good year. I think he's just shy of a point per game. We thought him and Patrick Laine would be able to link up for you know a lot of goals this year, but that hasn't really happened. Um, and then another reason, too, that I just can't give them a higher grade than a B- minus is something that you quickly mentioned, Case. Uh, Cole Sillinger has been pretty disappointing. Um, seven points in 45 games played. And as a young player, just trying to establish yourself in the league, you know, I'm a champion of young players. I like when they play a lot of minutes and get good opportunities. What I don't like is when you play a lot of minutes and you aren't put in favorable situations and maybe you're given a bit more uh, than you can choose. So, And I think that's what's happening with Sillinger right now. Seven points through 45 games, that shakes your confidence as a young kid trying to establish yourself in the league. And I just hope that you know by next year, they're a bit better and they can have some more fun because this year for the Jackets has been abysmal start to finish. 
can you just see how them being last in the league after picking up Johnny Gaudreau is a is a B plus to uh, me wearing a Devils hat and jersey? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That that makes sense. That that does make sense. And Very Bedard, good. like obviously Bedard too. Like if they get Bedard, wow, that would be an immediate change. I mean, like they're almost well, they're guaranteed a top three, so like they're going to get an incredible player here. Yeah, yeah, Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, like any of those three would be amazing for this franchise. Mitchkov, seventeen years from now, when he's I was going to say Mitchkov in twenty twenty seven because he signed yeah. till twenty twenty six. Yeah, exactly. I'll, uh, I, I'm going to be a, a little uh, bit harsher on on the uh, the Blue Jackets. I'll give them a C for Columbus, I guess. Um, I, I just I expected this team to be better, you know, um, going in after signing Johnny Goudreau and and um, you know just the way that they play. Like they're a hard team to play against. That you know this team could maybe surprise us and sneak into a wild card spot and then. And really give a team a, a hard time in the first round, but that just hasn't happened. And you know, we talked about injuries being a, a big factor for the uh, the lack of consistency and success with the Washington Capitals. Well, I think it's uh, kind of warrant to say that about the Blue Jackets as well. They lost Zach Rowenski, their top defenseman, right at the start of the season. That's a huge blow. Adam Boquist has also been out. Jake Bean, like the blue line has been decimated for a lot of the season. And Elvis Merzlikens just has not been the same. I don't know what has happened, but he's been banged up as well. And uh, obviously, um, you know, the the death a, a couple of years ago there of um, Matisse Kivlenix, I think that that still has an effect on him as well, which is really too bad and wish him well because we've seen him. He can be lights out for this team. And so... It's another team that I wonder if if they're in on a Demco as well. Like looking for guys with term, they're they're looking at you know um, next season and beyond, obviously. But really bright future for this team. I think next year is going to be a lot better. They've done a really good job up to this point of drafting. They've got a lot of good prospects, and uh, they're going to get another really good player at the top or near the top of this first round of the 2023 draft. So. Um, sorry, Chunk, our, our good buddy Corey Morrell, that it's been a rough season for the Blue Jackets, but it's going to get better. So I just I thought they'd be better. I'll give them a C. Yeah, fair enough. I think a C is reasonable, to be honest. Yeah, if Perfect. I'm not being a goofball giving Bs for Bedard to like the bottom team of every division, <laughs> a C is a little more <laughs> realistic. <laughs> I, I like the bees for Bedard, though. It's it's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. All right, uh, let's wrap this up with a little fantasy corner uh, quickly. So, uh, Case, your matchup last week. You're now listening to the Fantasy Corner right here on the Boys in the Booth podcast. I lost, and my team underperformed, and his team way overperformed. So um, I was projected to win 182 to 174.93, and I lost 186 to 163. Willie Nate Lander, 
31.25 points is basically the reason why Cameron won. So going into this next week, forgot it's a two-week thing, but playing last place, I just hope to not be his first win. That would be really funny. And then you're out of a playoff spot, and then you got to sell me all your good players at the deadline. You know what? Actually, maybe I should text John to set his lineups this week. He is setting his lineups. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. (laughs) That is true. eh? Of all the teams in the bottom five, I guess he does set his lineups. But uh, Okay, last week for me was an actual nail-biter, one of the first I've had in a while. Um, Even though last week I said... Oh, you know, I'm not worried about it at all. I'm projected to spank Nate by, like, you know, 70 points or whatever. Well, it finished 183 to 177, and it came down to the last three games that we each had uh, on the Sunday. So it was a really tight one. Guys like Bo Horvat uh, had good weeks. Boone Jenner had a good week. Um, Dougie Hamilton had an exceptional week, 28 points. And then, like I mentioned, I was able to trade Travis Konechny for uh victor hedman and let me just find the exact trade so that i can share it with you guys it was travis konechny and a sixth round pick for victor hedman and a 12th and i traded with jake slam dunk team um so that was my big trade another big trade went down today so long as it doesn't get vetoed i'm probably just gonna put it through though because I've already posted it in the group, and it doesn't seem like anybody is too keen to veto it. Uh, but it's John Tavares going to Kuznetsov's third line, who is in first place in the league right now, and a fourth-round draft pick for Dylan Larkin and a first-round draft pick going to Book Hockey. So Book Hockey has officially decided that they are rebuilding this year, and they are going to have two of the top 20 picks in our draft um and in a 20 team league like a first round pick is so 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 valuable like just think about that guys that means that kuznetsov's third line you know assuming where they finish he's not going to be able to pick until the early 20s and then not again until like 40 so like it's going to be crazy for him not having that first round pick because if he did it would obviously go like you know again depending where he finishes it could be 18 and 22 and then not again until whatever after that so the first round one thing about that is he can afford to do it because he got robertson at like round 38 or something stupid round five so like that's a keeper you're gonna blow a fourth on and like i think he's gonna be all right but when you're buy and fire in first place and like well i don't know why not i guess yeah no i I felt the the same way was a ton of value for him but like i think he also got back the pick that he needs to burn to get robertson so yeah it well okay let let me let me look quick to see if that's the pick yeah he picked robertson in the third round so that oh, means okay. that his second rounder is going to be jason robertson which means robertson is essentially like... he's not going to pick until like the 40s or like late 30s <laughs> which is yeah. insane um but he also has a few good keepers in there like low-key really good team 
after not drafting a super good team. Like he's made a lot of trades this year. Currently still sitting in first, sixteen and zero. Um, but I'm fifteen and one, and I'm coming for him. And I have way more total points for. And week eighteen is when it, you know we play for all the marbles. So anyway, that was my week and and the couple trades that happened. I uh, I lost last week, even though it was uh, this matchup against our, our good buddy Jake McKenzie, Jake's uh, slam dunk team, who's been a little touch and go with setting his lineups. Of course, I you know could have had a stroke after seeing that Tage Thompson was on his bench the night that he had six goals against the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, Jake won't trade him to me no no matter what I offer him but anyway so you know I was up at one point then he was back up it was really close anyway he pulled away 210 to 177 best performer for me was my goaltender Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning 28 points and uh but uh, I mean despite that Sunnyvale Hockey Club Still staying, uh, staying in uh, a really tight playoff race. A bunch of teams at nine and seven right now, so trying to stay in it. Projected to lose against the No Regretskis this week, but uh, as you guys know, I I set my lineups uh, every day, so hopefully that changes the numbers a little bit, and uh, I'm able to squeak out my uh, tenth win of the season here over these uh, these next couple of weeks. So uh, that's that's for me. Just to wrap up, Fantasy Corner here, um, spots three through seven all have a record of 10, 6, and 0. Okay, spots eight through 12 all have a record of 9, 7, and 0. So from three to 13, even, Hadrick Swayze, 8, 8, and 0. From three to 13, all of those teams still have a legit chance to place anywhere from three to eight in the playoff conversation. And there's going to be some difficult decisions to be made going forward. You know, like a team like Book Hockey, we've already seen, has decided that they're going to rebuild. There's going to be some tough decisions coming up because the trade deadline is in less than a month uh, for our fantasy league. So start thinking about it do you want to be a buyer a seller or do you want to hang tight and, and saying just... right now if i'm not in the playoffs by that trade deadline nathan mckinnon is on the block i'll buy him <laughs> i'll give you a first do we get one. do we get conservative buyers conservative <laughs> sellers <laughs> all, all of that's that, what i'm saying so. it's so tight like this is great parody and i think this just goes to show that I may be a better commissioner than Gary Bettman, who organized yet another stupid all-star game coming up. <laughs> oh, my God. There we go. Parody in the NHL and parody in the Boys in the Booth Fantasy Hockey League. That's that's great. Anyway, that uh, wraps up this episode uh, 157, our grades uh, in-season for the Metro Division teams. We will wrap up our in-season grades uh, next week talking about the Atlantic. So uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy All-Star Weekend, and uh, we'll chat with you again next week. Thanks. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.